Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we start a brand new series this week called Naturally Supernatural. And uh, I think we're going to have some fun doing this one in the weeks ahead. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, very glad you're with us. Before I get started, don't forget the Vineyard Five Pieces out in the foyer. This is a five-piece invitation kit. I want you to pick one up, have it in your pocket. At all times, invite people to church uh, whenever you can. Remember, we're trying to invite thousands of people this summer, so if, if you carry around, you know, if you would just do one a week, we, can, we should be at thousands already. It doesn't take very long. So carry them around. They're coated. They stay nice. Invite people to church. It's a very important thing. And don't forget the in, uh, in Ministry of Encouragement, the Encourage2.com website. Just got a facelift, and uh, it's a little more user-friendly, I think. We tried to make it that way, so go check it out if you haven't been before. Post your thankful five, read what other people are thankful about every day, and make it a habit in your life. All right, so we're starting uh, a new series, and uh, I want to get into that, but I was thinking uh, today that maybe you'd like this thought. Uh, we have, uh, my wife and I have a new granddaughter coming in the next few weeks. Uh, to go along with our almost two-year-old grandson. We're very happy about that. And, uh, and so the question is this. So, so why do we dress girl babies in pink and uh, boy babies in blue? Because they can't dress themselves. This is not rocket science, people. This is... What's <laughs> the matter, Gay? You didn't like that one? Not bad? Okay. <laughs> Uh, our scripture reading for today is there in your bulletin. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 48 and 49. Out of the message paraphrase, and it says, The first man was made out of earth, and people since then are earthy. The second man was made out of heaven, and people now can be heavenly. In the same way that we've worked from our earthly origins, let's embrace our heavenly ends. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I'm going to sort of use that scripture to talk about the idea of being naturally supernatural in our lives and uh, present in this series these concepts that you've heard, but sort of dig into them a little deeper, that Jesus is our model for life and ministry. I'd say he's the perfect model for being naturally supernatural um, because he was fully man, natural, and fully God, supernatural. And just a few sort of scriptures to back that up. He was fully God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Also fully man. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, again, fully God. Philippians 2, 5, and 7. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Fully man. Hebrews 2, 17. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So I want you to begin to see these concepts of Jesus and, uh, you know, basic sort of theological stuff that, 
that you know Jesus was fully God and fully man and 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 we're going to look at him then as the model for life and ministry uh, and what it looks like to be naturally supernatural in the world around us um, in the scripture Jesus is referred to as the second Adam 1st Corinthians 15 47 the first Adam made of earth came from the earth the second Adam came from heaven that's more of a uh, translation than the paraphrase that I read earlier of the same verse. So as the second Adam, what you need to know is that Jesus was man as God intended him to be. Jesus is humanity as God intended him to be. So he's our model for life and ministry. He shows us how to live, how to be naturally supernatural, and, and he shows us, very importantly, and we're gonna, we'll deepen these in the week ahead, how um, to depend on three resources, the three major resources of what it means to be naturally supernatural, or the three major resources of the naturally supernatural life. So you can write these down and we'll dig into them in the weeks ahead. But the big three are this. Prayer is first and foremost on our list. Um, everything begins with prayer. And we need to have that concept down, that, that uh, this life is about prayer. Prayer is about connecting with God. We, we talk about the importance of being connected to God every day. We, we're always bringing you that concept and encouraging you to, to stay connected to God in prayer, to be connected to God in prayer, to take time for prayer. In, in virtually every sermon, uh, we, we spend time talking about how important it is to be connected to God in this way. And, and to make it a part of life. And if you remember in the last couple of series, I said if you don't think you have enough time to pray, we carved out that time by, by dealing with worry. And so hopefully you're converting all the time you spend worrying into prayer. And you'll have plenty of time for prayer because you spend way too much time worrying. So we're making the shift, and all of a sudden you'll think, wow, I have way too much time to pray. I don't have any time for worry. That would be good, wouldn't it? Oh, I have no time to worry. Good. Let's switch them around. So keep working on that in your life. The next big resource is the Word, the Word of God. And we need to be spending time in His Word, um, however you can do it. And we'll, we'll deepen this as we go. But um, sometime every day is crucial, and it's easy to neglect. See, that's the problem, is that living the lives that we live... And I don't think we mean to. I think what happens often is that we, our lives get filled with good things sometimes and we, we actually miss God things. And we get so busy that we fly by the day and at the end of the day we haven't had a chance to spend any time at all in the Word of God. And then we go, well, I'll get to it tomorrow and days pass and we get out of the habit. And so I want to encourage you again to make this a habit in your life. Whatever you can do to make this a habit in your life, you need to do. That you spend some time reading the Bible every day. I'm not even looking for huge, huge quantities, quantities of time. Just a few minutes will make a huge difference in your life. So you, you, one of the things I tell you all the time, read the proverb of the day, every day. There's 31 of them, proverbs. They make a great thing for every day of the month. Don't just, just start tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be 17, right? So tomorrow morning, at some point, read Proverbs 17. For me, that reading is best done in the morning because at the end of the day, if I get to some reading, that's cool, but, but a lot of times I'm tired and I don't get to it. So even though I'm a little groggy in the morning, you've heard me say I'm not a real morning person, um, I try and get that in in the morning. But it's a few minutes, guys. It's just a few. 
Make it a habit in your life. It will change the way that you live. And, and then from there, it'll grow, and you'll see that it happens more and more often. But you've got to start somewhere. So if you're not spending some, some daily time in the Word of God, let's, let's talk about it again. Carve it out and, and get yourself committed to it. If you mess up, well, don't beat yourself up. One thing I like about the Proverbs, if you miss a day, just go ahead and get wherever you're at, pick it up again. I do that month after month after month after month. Do I miss a day? Sometimes. But I try not to. And, uh, and so I, I, I work that in, working into your life. Do things to make it easy. Um, uh, I have an iPad, so I, I have the Bible on there, along with, you know, games like Sudoku. And uh, I can always find time to play a game of Sudoku. You know what Sudoku is, the numbers and the squares? I, I, I get fascinated by that, so I'll play that. But then I'll, all of a sudden I'll go, oh, oh, man, I've been playing a lot of Sudoku. I haven't read any Bible yet. <laughs> Change it over and knock out that Bible. So find a, whatever your pattern is, whatever's easy for you, whatever you can do to encourage the habit so, so it happens. Make it happen. Um, sometimes it might be you just need a new Bible. I found oftentimes when I get a new Bible that amps up my Bible time. I don't know if anybody else has that. But uh, at Christmas I bought a, I, I got uh, the C.S. Lewis Bible. And, and uh, man, I, I just liked opening it and, and the smell of it and and, and it got me back, you know, reading, you know, beyond my Proverbs thing, reading some extra. And uh, it's important. And now, and you know, for me, I have to get in the book all the time because it's what I do. But I ha if I don't do it at a personal level, then I don't, I, I, I stop growing personally and I don't want to do that. So always find ways to spend time in the Word. Third big resource is the Holy Spirit. Uh, these aren't listed in order of importance. All three of them are, are important. Um, we need to know that, that we... Um, are filled with the Spirit of God and that He's moving in us and He's leading us and guiding us and directing us and teaching us and, and that we're, we need to be in a process where we're constantly yielding life to Him. And that uh, the things that God calls us to do, He empowers us to do by the Holy Spirit. We, we get connected in prayer and we sort of tap into His will, hopefully. You know, I've told you uh, as well that, that one of the best ways we can determine the will of God in ourselves is continually trying to live by doing the next right thing, that we find it there, but prayer is a part of that process. Um, the Word of God helps us to know, you know, what, what we measure things against uh, in life, you know, should we or shouldn't we? And then the leading of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the urging of the Holy Spirit. All these things are part of living a naturally supernatural life. And so we want to hold those in context as we go, and we'll deepen that um, throughout this series. Now, um, and again, by way of introduction, which is what this one is pretty much, um, I think there's some things that we, we need to be paying attention to uh, throughout this series. And, and let me tell you that what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at a, at a whole bunch of encounters throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus has with people. And we're going to be looking to see what happens in these encounters. And we're going to dig deep into them to see how it can impact our own lives in our own encounters. Because really, that's the context of being naturally supernatural is in the context of relationship with the world around us. How does this impact our, our mission of one more? Uh, you know, we're, we're called to uh, uh, one more lost child back to dad. We, we're called to um, a radical hospitality, radical generosity, to present the radical message that we have. We've, we've had all these concepts that we've been talking about now for a long time. And, and then living this way in a naturally supernatural way um, it takes all of that in, sort of, and, and begins to sort of tie it all together. 
Uh, we, our last series was called Radical Living. We've been talking about how to live. But see, this is, this is the concept now that, that Peter encouraged us and challenged us to live differently in our last series. And now we're going to look at how to apply some of those things um, by, by looking at the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and how that impacts us. And so I think there's, there's five things that we're going to be uh, using to help us see what a naturally supernatural life looks like as Jesus modeled it. And we'll try and run each one of these things through the scenarios that Jesus has in these encounters throughout the book of John. And that's what we'll be doing in the weeks ahead. And I expect it's going to take quite a few weeks to get there. So the first uh, aspect of a supernatural, naturally supernatural life is that we, we need to do what he did. We need to do what Jesus did. That's really what what that whole process is about. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And so Jesus himself says, look, you need to go out and do what I did. This is a part of the life that I'm leaving you to. It's what it means to be a disciple. It's, it's what this radical life looks like. Go out and do these things that I've done. You'll do even greater things than this. And, and as you read through what Jesus did, that's, that's a pretty fascinating statement. And, and uh, it's amazing to see how that works. Part of that is um, we, in, in the ministry of the church, um, now the, the ministry of Jesus has, has a lot more hands and feet. And so we're able to get to a lot more spots at once by virtue of who we are. And so we're, we're, we're capable of doing all sorts of amazing stuff in the world around us. But but we're to look at how he um, had encounters with people and what he did. And then from that, um, we're to learn how we're supposed to be naturally supernatural. We're living in this world, and yet the kingdom of God is breaking through all the time. And, and that we can uh, embrace that and have an impact on the world around us. That we can show them a, uh, a love that they haven't expected. That, that we can uh, pray for them and see miracles happen. That we can speak into them um, the, the very word of God. And that this is to be a part of our life. So we're to do what he did. In order to do that, I think there's these next four things that uh, help us in the process. Um, we need to learn to see like he saw. We need to learn to see like he saw. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We need to, to see like Jesus saw. Um, in our last several series, we've uh, been introducing this concept and we continue to introduce it to you that, that Jesus, when he looked at people, he always saw the beauty of their potential. And that, that, that's why he had such an impact with people. And that the church, you know, I, I said we, the problem that we've had is that we've, we've uh, sort of, um, just like the religious people back then, we, we'd labeled people. And, and once we've labeled them a specific sin or, or specific this or that, we quit, we quit treating them the way they ought to be treated. And, and we always need to look at people and see the beauty of their potential. When we look at people, we should never be seeing the label that we put on them as a sinner but always seeing them by the beauty of their potential. And then we'll treat them differently. But the moment you label people, we're done. Remember, Jesus was so good at this because the, the religious people of the day, and we, we chuckle about this, but, but they had sinners and tax collectors. And, and they always put that together. Jesus was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And you think, well, why is there two categories? 
And, and the problem was the tax collectors were considered the worst of the worst of the worst um, because they, they, uh, the, the, the religious community believed that they had completely sold them out, they were working for the enemy, and that they were taking advantage of them. And so they didn't do, tax collectors weren't allowed in the synagogues. You would never have a tax collector in your home. You were better off hanging out with a murderer than a tax collector. That's basically how that worked out. And, and yet Jesus came and we know that he hung out with tax collectors. Um, we know he put one on his staff, right? He picked one right out and said, come follow me. Tax collector, you with me. He picked another one out of a tree and one hung out at his house. There's that song stuck in my head again. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Do they have a song in Canada like that? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't know if it was just an American song. <laughs> See, it's worldwide. Um, so, so Jesus, when he saw these people, See, the, get, get this, the religious community saw them as tax collectors. We'll have nothing to do with you. We don't, you don't even come near us. And Jesus looked at him and said, come on, I want you to my ministry. I want you on my team. And that, that, that's, how he, that's, that's why people were attracted to him. Now, he never said, keep going on and doing the sin. That, you know, you, you, come on, you've got to stop. But, but I love you. And I see what you can become in the kingdom of God. That's how we have to see people or we won't have any impact. And, and I, I keep saying this, but I want to keep saying this. The church effectively lost its voice when we began to judge people and get hypercritical. And, and then the reaction of the culture was to push us away, to secularize us, to say, okay, fine, that's all you're going to do. We don't want to hear from you anymore. We're going to stick you on Sundays and maybe tolerate you a little bit, but don't speak into our society, into our politics, into our schools, into anything else. You're done. We don't want to hear from you. And we, we lost our voice. And the only way we get our voice back is by loving people the way we were supposed to all along and by seeing the beauty of their potential. And that, that this is such an important thing. And you'll watch in each encounter that Jesus has that we look at throughout the book of John, he's always looking at their potential, always. And, and, and to live this life, we, we've got to ask God to let us see like that or else we will not be effective. We'll just be clanging cymbals. We'd just be noisemakers that nobody listens to. And so we have to see like he saw. To do that, we're going to have to work on point number three, which is thinking like he thought. We have to start trying to figure out what he was thinking about. Now, now it's probably not going to be easy, but we're going to have to dig into his encounters to try and figure out what he was thinking about. Um, Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. It's pretty significant. You're, the whole way that you think about life, that you approach this concept, um, needs to reflect the attitude of Jesus. And he's the model. And he lives it before us. And there's nothing held back. Fortunately, we get to see what it looks like. Uh, remember, he's, he's humanity as God intended it to be. Sometimes we go and we try and find some of those other models. Jesus is your model for these things. How he approached people. I love how he deals with people. I love how he interacts with people. I love how, how people respond to him. And you always see there's crowds always coming to Jesus. Not, not just because of the miracles and all those things that he's doing, that's a part of it, but because they feel loved and accepted. It, it's why people who were, were just out there in, involved in rampant sin could still come and hang with Jesus. And they, they wouldn't do that with anybody else. None of the other religious community would even go near because they knew they weren't accepted. Jesus accepted them. 
with a caveat. Come, you know, but go and sin no more. But he couldn't say go and sin no more until he'd loved them first. He just couldn't do it. And we got that backwards in the church. We started saying sin no more, and we stopped loving them, and you can't do it. So we've got to love them. So, so we've got to start thinking like he thought. To be naturally supernatural, we're going to have to think like Jesus thought. Then, this is a biggie, we're going to have to serve like he served. You know, Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, this, is, this has to become the, the, one of the cornerstones of our life. We're, we're called to serve. Uh, we're, we're called to be selfless, and yet we've spent the majority of our lives being selfish. And it's a huge paradigm shift. Um, the, the, the concepts that we have to go through have to turn us upside down. Because it's not all about us. And yet we've spent so much time thinking it is all about us. And that, that when we think it's all about us, we don't serve well. We're looking to be served instead of to serve. And, and again, you know, I've, I've given you some of my little, my little things that, that I look for in people. Um, and and how, do you, how do you treat people in your life, especially those people who, um, by nature of what they're doing, are sort of serving you, do you treat them like servants or do you treat them like people? Are they part of the scenery and machinery of your lives or do you understand that, you know, as we talked about not that long ago, that they're actually, that's our inheritance, the lost, our inheritance, that these are people that God loves. And so when someone uh, at McDonald's is waiting on you and, and the food takes a minute and 10 seconds instead of 48 seconds, how do you respond? Do you, do you love them still or are you getting snappy and mean and sarcastic? Rolling your eyes. You know, the things, um, these are examples, though, of how we really feel about this and that, that, see, we're called to serve more than to be served. And that's to be true in the church, it's to be true in the world, it's to be true wherever we go. And, and when we grab a hold of that attitude, we get that God's taking care of us. That's why we can, we don't have to worry about it anymore because he's taking care of us. So we don't have to fight and claw and scratch and do those things that we do thinking that no one's going to take care of us. He does. So we can become servants like he served. We're going to have to look and see how he served. And he served constantly. Um, constantly. He was demonstrating to his guys, this was life. The life in the kingdom is a life of service. The life in the kingdom is a life of humility. The life in the kingdom is, is, of God is different than what you think it is. The, the greatest is a servant. You want life? Lose life. These are the, the, the messages of Jesus. And, and to, to the extreme of the cross, certainly, but even on the way to the cross, to, to washing his disciples' feet, which was considered unheard of for the, for the teacher to wash the feet of the students. And yet he did. And he said, this is what it's all about. We're going to have to learn to serve like he served. And all of it's going to have to be covered in the last point, which is we're going to have to love like he loved. It all gets tied into that. Remember, I've always said that... We're not loving God and loving others, and we're, we're never going to get it. And so it all ties in. And, and when you look at the way Jesus loves people, see, all that stuff's tied in together. How you see people, you know, he had compassion on folks, how you, how you think about them, how you serve them, it, it, it all reflects back to this point, because he loves them. And, and he would demonstrate his love at the cross. John 13, 34, new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And so what we're going to do 
is this in the weeks ahead. Because Jesus is our model for life and ministry, we're going to look carefully at, at how he did what he did so that we can learn how to do that. We're going to see what his priorities were. Um, we're going to look at these series of encounters in the book of John that Jesus has with all these different people. And, and when we do, we're going to try and, and analyze what he was thinking. We're, we're going to try and, and see how he was seeing. Um, we we want to see what his actions were. Uh, we want to listen to his words. And so, so that we can do the same thing and live naturally, supernatural lives. So that we can impact the world for him. And that's what this is all about. That's, that's how this whole thing is going to work together in the weeks ahead. And so um, if you want to get a little bit ahead, you can start reading through the Gospel of John. Because we're going to use that as our foundation. We're going to dig through a lot of the encounters throughout the chapters. We're going to see how Jesus dealt with the religious community. We're going to see how he dealt with, with people really lost. We're going to see how he has encounters with all these people all the time and in different ways and calling his guys in and, and all that stuff and, and try and get an idea of why he was doing what he was doing so that we can live lives that please and bless and honor him and make a difference in the world around us. Remember, that was the challenge in our last series that Peter gave us, to live lives in such a way that it impacts pre-Christians to the point where they want to know who God is. And that fits in with our mission, amen? Of one more, one more lost child back to dad. Okay, we're gonna close it there for the evening. That's a good introduction. We'll dig in next week into the heart uh, of the message and we'll, we'll get in there. If you're watching by video, thank you for watching. Call us, write us if you need anything. You can email us. If you're watching on television, you can do the same thing. Let us know what's happening. We're gonna close with prayer here tonight. And so, having said,